1: Welcome back. As uh, for our second episode this week with uh, Australian guitarist Adam Miller, uh, as you heard on Monday, I'm joined again here with Andy Ellis.
0: Hello, everyone.
1: And uh, and so this episode, Andy, was one we had talked about as we were going back and forth, and it's kind of playing uh, uh, solo electric guitar as opposed to acoustic. And mm-hmm. as you heard on Monday, and we talk about it a little bit today, that you know Adam's first solo gig was opening for Tommy Emmanuel, which I could not think of a more intimidating setting <laughs> to make your debut as a solo guitarist, you know?
0: Well, maybe uh, uh, I'm opening for Jimi Hendrix tomorrow, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's, I'm sure that's <laughs> but probably... But as a solo guitarist, yeah.
1: Exactly. You know, Australia. You know, you're Australian, you're in Australia, you're going to play solo guitar, and you're going to play solo guitar opening for the most famous solo guitar player the country had ever seen.
0: And, in fact, today, even the planet.
1: Exactly, yeah. He's way yeah. up there. Yeah.
0: So, and so I th- what I found very interesting is that as guitarists, we play acoustic and electric guitar. I mean, unless you're wedded to one or the other. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we, we play both. But there are considerations having to do with the design. And, and Adam explains it, and it was a revelation to me, why it makes sense to do solo gigs on electric guitar? He he just he just put it right in your pocket.
1: Yeah, and and also he makes some interesting revelations. We don't really dive on this podcast dive too much into gear, but he did make some important notes about how uh, how that can lead you down certain paths. You know, when yeah. it comes when it comes to this, yep. so. This is a, a, a fun episode, and it's always great to catch up with Adam. So, uh, so go ahead and check out today's episode, and we'll see you back on Friday.
0: So, Adam, when when I first heard you play, both on record and live, um, you were playing a flat top, uh, amazing fingerstyle acoustic multi part. You know that that was the takeaway message for me was, well, how do you do that, (laughs) you know, uh, on a flat top, um, well, on any guitar, and uh, as we heard in this week's first episode, and listening to your new record, um, what I've discovered is that you actually are playing, uh, you have played electric guitar your entire guitar career, and you uh with this new record unify uh you are also playing electric guitar straight through um are you
2: still playing solo guitar but this time on electric uh i i definitely still tour solo well you know up until <laughs> a few months ago um big bec- oh, right yeah. <laughs> and and you know because that's of our time yeah. yeah and that's basically I, predominantly just due to budget you know i'm i don't have the budget to fly around a band or i don't get it to a town early enough to be able to rehearse so um it's you know it's probably and it's i guess it's just because i can i have the ability that i'm not worried to stand up on stage by myself from doing it for years i think um and in recent years yes it has been predominantly solo electric guitar more than an acoustic. I still will generally travel with an acoustic, but I ended up playing the electric guitar more of the show. And it's sort of, it just sort of evolved that way. It wasn't really a conscious decision. Like I, when I was younger, the sound of solo electric guitar just was lost on me. Like I just always thought, well, why would you do that when you could play an acoustic? Like, there's no purpose to this. Mm -hmm. And I think it just happened that the more I toured playing solo acoustic and was in different environments, I had so many problems with sound and getting the sound I wanted. Like, I know I'm talking a lot about voices and sounds throughout these, but it really was a big part of it. Like, I just couldn't achieve the sound I wanted to get. And, you know, you would turn up places and especially with a lot of my music being very groove based and bassline based, it, a lot of sound engineers, their default with acoustic guitar is to take the bottom end out, take the mids out and boost the treble. And so it made my performance sort of unplayable, whereas uh, I, where it actually started, and I remember being freaked out about this, was I did a series of clinics through uh, Europe going back about eight or nine years ago for two rock amplifiers who I've been using their amps for a very long time but essentially because it was for them it was all electric guitar and they were taking me because I was one of the few artists that would be happy to turn up and play solo and I remember being sort of terrified about just taking an electric guitar and so I, I did string it a little bit heavier like 12 to 52 wound G so it'd feel more sort of electric, Mm -hmm. more acoustic, sorry, I should say. But what ended up happening was every night I had glorious sound. Like it was just like (laughs) I'd turn up, I'd plug the guitar into an amp and I'm just like, oh, wow, that sounds so great. And it's there behind me and it was just going and it was awesome. And, you know, if someone did mic up a guitar amp, they usually don't go crazy with EQ. They just either turn it up at front of house or tell you to turn down on stage. It's more likely
1: likely telling you to turn down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. But, but they, you know, they're not drastically shaping the tone. Like it's not like they're complete, they're in complete control of everything. And for me as a player, it just made me play better that when I could just have control of that. And when I wasn't doing huge rooms, when I first started playing solo acoustic guitar, Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, my first show was playing with Tommy Emanuel. So it was a thousand people, huge PA system. When you played the low E string, you know, people in the first few roads had heart palpitations and I got (laughs) used to that. I'm like, well, if it doesn't sound like that, it's not right. And then trying to, even when you did have control of your sound and turning up to a small show and trying to present the sound like that, I, I found it a bit offensive. Like I was like, Oh, I think I've gone too far with this. I think I'm hurting people. (laughs) So, um, and you know, as my music evolved, it just worked that way that the, the electric guitar sort of presented this easier. And I found my audiences connected with it better. They were more into, um, the subtleties of the things I could do rather than the, the giant sound of a live acoustic guitar sometimes.
0: So you had the same repertoire, you just translated
2: it to electric guitar, yeah, or did you change it, your set list? No, I just just played the same things. They were, I, there were a few things that sort of evolved it as well, and it all comes down to uh, the the technicalities of both instruments live. So one of the big things for me, when I started playing more groove stuff, especially like sort of out of the boom chick sort of thing and into like these separated bass lines, very Charlie Hunter influenced Mm -hmm. was that when you would do the slap on the acoustic guitar, when you had good sound, you'd slap the strings like on two and four, but it sounded like a bass drum coming through the sound system. So it was sort of this weird discongruent thing where it sounded like the bass drum was on two and four instead of the snare drum. So I kind of yeah. kept that, that sort of drove me insane. And, um, there was quite a while too, where I, I, I've played like a guitar, like Charlie Hunter's for a long time, like almost 20 years ago when I, cause he was the first finger style guy I'd heard that really played improvised music and, you know, could do things that I hadn't heard acoustic guitar performers do before. And on that instrument, that thing is even more prominent where if you slap the strings with your thumb, the slap is hitting the bass strings and going through the bass amp. So it's a really nasty sound, like you blow up tweeters. And I think I did a couple of times when I first got on it because I was attacking it the same way. And then over time, you know, my technique evolved that instead of slapping the strings, it would be that that two and four could be... um, Augmented with the fingernails of my fingers and actually become part of my playing. And then that way, you know, it would sort of burst through the reverb of the guitar string rather than slapping on the bass strings. So um, I think you can hear this enough, but I'm just going to put my guitar up now. So instead of getting like... That sort of thing, if I do it with my fingers, it gets... Actually, it probably sounds exactly the same over the internet. I don't know. Anyway, it makes a lot of sense. No, it but swings. The second
0: yeah. one, the the second version, really. swings. Yeah, and I it,
2: like I, you know, I've been listening to all the podcasts. So go back and listen to Charlie's one about drums. And he, you know, he's become a good friend of mine over years, and we've spent a lot of time playing together. And you know, the idea that you've got more movement when your hand doesn't hit that rigid two and four. Um, So that, that sort of helped really free up the technique. And it meant that by the time I was doing these electric guitar gigs, I didn't need that huge power of the PA anymore. All that subtlety was sort of already there because I'd been working on this through those things. So yeah, after that in-store tour, it just ended up that I didn't panic about not having an acoustic guitar anymore and really, uh, yeah, just found safety in the electric guitar thing. When you were,
1: uh I was I went and looked at your website again today, and I was shocked. I was kind of taken aback by not only how prolific you are, how many albums you have out there, but also your, your kind of breadth of, like, original tunes that you've written and put out there. When you're writing a tune, does the instrument you write it on really affect the final version of, of that? And the reason I, I bring that up is that and and I recently talked to Ben Harper and he has a new record coming out of all solo acoustic lap steel. Cool. And in that podcast you kind of hear the story of how that album kind of came together and I won't spoil it now but it didn't what we're hearing is the finished product was not how it was originally intended <laughs> conceived, yeah. right? Well, yeah. When it comes to electric versus acoustic, how does that kind of play into your compositional process?
2: Okay. So the composition just comes from, I think it definitely starts on the instrument. And so definitely the era of like the album I put out, which was really the one that everyone internationally found, it was called Delayed. So it is a solo acoustic guitar record. And I probably wouldn't have made that record, except I got a record deal that then fell apart, but I own the rights to the master. So it was done. So I, I just released it, but while that record is solo acoustic guitar, nearly all of those songs were written on Charlie Hunter's instrument. So I was, so there's, you can hear the very obvious distinction between the baseline and the melody with a lot of those things. And during that period, I was constantly performing in a duo like with drums and me. So doing those things and really working those things up. Uh, So those compositions were very much about counterpoint and that idea. The next album I did um, called Shifting Units, and and this is a little bit to do with like fan base as well and all those things is that I predominantly wrote for electric guitar because I was just super into it. I was playing with a band all the time and then I had to go back And But because I knew my audience thought I was an acoustic fingerstyle player, I recorded the album twice and then recorded it all as solo acoustic arrangements. But on a lot of those things, I literally had to go back and work out how on earth am I going to play this as one person? So I actually had to go back and arrange the music for solo guitar. And some of it, I think because of that, turned out to be incredible solo guitar pieces that I never really realized. And because I, I wasn't thinking from the point of view of, I have to try and play this all at once. And also I wasn't thinking about my easy defaults of solo guitar as well. The things I can do easily and just come on autopilot. I actually had to go, wow, how on earth am I going to reach that at the same time as doing this? Um, you know, one of my... Were there Sorry, go
0: ahead. compositions that you couldn't? Did you have to give up on some of those?
2: Yes. And, you know, to bring it back to now, especially like this most recent album, Unify, was definitely composed as a trio record. Like I wanted it, you know, I, my whole idea with this year was to finally be out on the road touring with a trio and take these, this music this way Um but as it's turned out, all my gigs up until maybe in a few weeks' time have all been solo in front of my computer or iPhone. So <laughs> I've had to go back and actually now arrange all these new songs to solo guitar. And, you know, some of them are like just a total nightmare. Like they just don't make sense on solo guitar. And it's, it's been a really incredible, fun challenge to work it out, especially... Some of the, you know, the prettier songs, like uh, this song called Shipping, which has this, um, it actually has two guitar parts on the album. Like I just, I had this <laughs> motif and I think whenever I'd played it, the couple of times I played it live before recording, the bass player had just played the melody for me because it was easier. Then when I was recording the album, I decided to double the melody on the guitar with the bass player, but I overdubbed that. So then trying to put those two parts together. So I am going to hold the guitar up to the microphone for a second. So the rhythm part is just this little finger style thing, which is. And the melody is simple as well. It's just. So now I've got the two going together finally, where you've got this. And, you know, it sounds simple-ish now, but, man, I've practiced that over and over again to sort of get the feel of the 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 rhythm accompaniment sort of forward rhythmically and then the top, the melody to be slightly relaxed and laid back and then the mixing of the two parts that you've really got, you know, the, the rhythm part sitting quite low in volume and the melody, you know, mixed high on top and you know i think that's sort of the key to really any great solo guitar playing but yeah
0: that that is really beautiful listening to you take those cuz cuz i've heard your your album your yeah. trio album and to hear that melody and harmony reimagined if you will right in real time right uh, right over a microphone mm. you know <laughs> across yeah. the internet it just it's it's uh, what it says to me though is how strong the composition is uh, when you can present it in different ways. I mean, that's, uh, whether it's a Beatles song or, you know, um, a piece of jazz, yeah. uh, you know, can, can can you, is it strong enough, is the integrity there that it holds together in all of these different um, Ye- settings so it's not dependent? You know, ACDC, it's hard for me to imagine, and, uh, you know, I love ACDC, but it's hard for me to imagine uh, you Shook Me played, uh, you know, on a nylon string Do you guitar, want me to do it for you now? I've had you know? to do it
2: for my nephew to do, like, sleepy time versions of things because he loves yes. ACDC. So it's like, you know, yes, so please. it's just always that. <laughs> what is it? So you... That was a bit sloppy, but you get the idea. Like it just sounds like a Bill Frisell song, yeah. and it's awesome.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: so so, well,
0: that actually sort of proves my point and shoots me down yeah. at the same time. It proves my point that a good composition can hold itself together regardless of the presentation, and it shoots me down in the sense that no ACDC actually
2: can hold together yeah, really well. Melodies there <laughs> actually, and that that's sort of you know I think that's the thing it's always been my focus is that the melody has to be strong enough to sing. You know, I I am an instrumentalist because Mm -hmm. I love, I've always had this love of instrumental music. And I think it was because I started playing guitar in well at an age where my voice hadn't broken. So if I sang along, I sounded terrible. So I just didn't do it, but I've always had the sensibility of like the melody should be a forefront and the melody, there should be a melody in instrumental music in general yeah um you know it mm-hmm. shouldn't just totally be about the rhythm the rhythm Ugh, that was a really bad australian sloppy english <laughs> thing uh, <laughs> no it's the it's rhythm. charming adam it's charming uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh so yeah it shouldn't just be about the rhythm or the riff in a way like it's it's got to be mm-hmm. yeah my the where where i've played most of my life has not been um areas where people are coming to see me play guitar in a way like they are, but they're actually more right. there just for music and and experience, and it's definitely influenced the way I compose yeah
0: well, this you know we'll we'll wrap up this this segment here mm. pretty quickly, but um i'll say something that'll probably get me in trouble with a lot of people, but i'm going to say it anyway. Um, I love fingerstyle acoustic guitar, I really do. Um, but there are a lot of fingerstyle acoustic guitarists who have, they, they find a riff, just what you were saying, and sometimes it involves c- c- uh, elaborate hand mm. percussion, body percussion and stuff. Uh, really no melody. Mm. To sta- A melody may emerge from these different chord yeah. voicings, an activity, but it's not a, a melody that you could write out just by itself mm-hmm. on a piece of paper yeah. or sing. Yeah. Either way, you know, it's this—it's this hand uh, performance on strings, and it can be really spectacular for the first three songs because you just mm-hmm. go, "Wow, I can't believe that all this is coming out of the guitar." But to me, and this is where I get in trouble—the it, it doesn't stick with you. You know, it doesn't. St- the test of time for me it's 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 an amusement but not eternal you know I don't go back to yeah the
2: and so day. I think if I can bring that back to the original topic of this after we meandered off is that for me like yeah. the solo electric <laughs> guitar thing I guess it's it's always been it took away those options for me so when I was playing solo electric guitar mm-hmm. I couldn't bang the body anymore like I couldn't tap it. It didn't, it doesn't come out through the pickup. So it allowed me to focus compositionally and playing wise just on what the six strings can do. And I really love that idea of like, you really just are hearing the guitar in it's sort of pure form rather than, um, I don't want to say the tricks around it. Cause I totally appreciate all that stuff too, but that's the easiest way to explain it. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. It's, it's it's juggling it's 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 yeah. acrobatic it's 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 Yeah it's a but feat, for, you know and you look you look you yeah, but it's not yeah a feast. yeah <laughs> it's just a feat, but that you know. that's the cool thing about
2: uh, the solo electric guitar thing it's sort of there's nowhere to hide behind that it it does sort of focus it back on the music and yes there's some advanced technique there but hopefully it all serves the melody and the feel as yeah well, one mm.
1: one of the things that's on my somewhat immediate uh, to-do list as far as guitar playing is to uh, play an instrumental trio gig and uh, of some sort, and it's players like you and other guys like Julian Lash who really inspire me to want to to go for that, because I, I don't feel like I have the, the right chops or whatever to pull off uh, a solo guitar thing, but I yeah. feel like I, I would become a better player if I was work-up, like a set of trio tunes and that's something I've never done so yeah, it's, it's
2: pretty liberating and pretty fun to do, especially if you're surrounded by supportive people you know yeah. like there, there's there's two scenarios from a trio point of view where you want to surround yourself with people way better and that is awesome when you're friends with those people uh, but you know yeah. when you're when you're within a supportive environment and yeah there's it's a pretty special thing as well and just being able to work out how to communicate that way through Mm -hmm. just your guitar without you know someone else singing over the top with words to be very specific about it Yeah. yeah
1: well thank you so much for joining us uh this week adam and uh everybody make sure to tune in on friday we're gonna have one more uh one more hang with adam miller